The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Doing, Max, are you good? Yeah, I'm doing very, very good. Yourself? Wonderful. What <laughs> you, you look like a Batista <laughs> that has been a bit down on his luck and has had to resort to milking his own titties for profit. It's not a good look, is it? It's not for, for those listening later in the week on the audio version. Our good friend King Pigs Brothers, the Photoshop <laughs> wizard, he's outdone himself. <laughs> made us a background for today's show and lined it all up as best he could and it's done he's done a fantastic job and it's you know has the raw logo and says the the date of the episode of monday night raw we're looking at and so on and then magsy's head is virtually perfectly placed onto john cena's shoulders looks wonderful and mine is placed onto dave batista who is shirtless and for some reason has the freakiest nipples i've seen in my life (laughs) and Ironically, they do look like your nipples. So Sharon do they really? said. It's so Sharon said, yeah. It's like, <laughs> uh, you asked how I am, Maxie. I'm not very well, mate. I've been a bit coffee spluttery, a bit grotty, a bit sneezy. All my allergies kicking up and all that, you know. You've been a poorly baby, haven't you? I have, mate. It's not been fun. It's not been fun. Welcome but, to my world. Well, this is standard Monday for you, isn't it? Well, now the shoe is on the other foot. So it'll well, be you coughing and spluttering. Very true, mate. Very true indeed. Uh, we've got a lot to cover this week, haven't we? You know, we've got uh, a Hall of Lame. We've got a brilliant wrestling topic, a non-wrestling topic, sorry, that everyone's uh, sent in their responses to. Some brilliant shapes and suggestions for our non-wrestling topic. And our wrestling subject is actually a segment from a Monday Night Raw as opposed yeah, it's to almost a wrestling like somebody broke the rules oh fucking hell heaven forbid well, <laughs> one rule for me and another rule for you and there sorry folks that side just coughing his guts up yes <laughs> that's so strange that's like a complete role reversal isn't it <laughs> How weird. Yes, lots to get through, lots to get through. I suppose we better start the show, Magsy. Let's do it. Now get the cards, the drugs from my generation. I'll take the fall, the sight, and across the nation. Yeah. 
good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you may be listening or watching from. This is Chain Wrestling Live with Mags and Sai, episode 118. Got your number. I am Sai, and with me as always is the contract signing to my week of whining, because I've been ill and snotty and grotty. The Smackdown All Raw to my Little Rock, which is capital of Arkansas. Yeah, I know. Give me a break. We're 118 episodes in. This doesn't get easier. If anything, it gets more difficult coming out with this shit every week. Okay? All right? And I've been ill. So, you know. A podcaster that regularly has two middle-aged men fighting over his services. The podfather himself, Lord Mags. How are we doing? I am bloody lovely today. One of my chickens has laid their first egg. I'm a proud... I know. You sent me a picture. I'm a proud chicken grandpa, and I'm going to happily eat that egg as as a grandpa should. <laughs> exactly. When you sent me that picture initially, I thought, is that Magsy? Oh, no. <laughs> you, you thought that, that was... Well, I should have drawn, actually, a dizzy face on it. Yeah, a little face. Yeah. Put your glasses over the top of it as well. Get a baseball cap on top. A little, little <laughs> headset. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I could actually not rock up to these podcasts and there'd be no difference whatsoever. I just think that you're freezing and like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and Mags's internet is playing up again. Oh, don't talk to me about internet troubles, mate. Oh my goodness. We're trying to record. Uh, we, me and Dan Griffin have just started um, the fourth season of the, of the Doctor Who pod. We've done our draft episode. That's in the bank already. And, and yesterday we recorded uh, our first um, story, I suppose, that we're looking at for, for this season. We started recording at half past two. We finally started actually getting some proper content recorded for the episode mm-hmm. and pushing quarter past three. That's how bad the internet struggles were with regards to StreamYard. And then we went to Skype and back again and all this sorts of loads. Of, and literally just as we were about to knock it on the head, it clicked into place and started working. <laughs> but, oh, it was such a nightmare. Such a nightmare, Mags. I can, I can believe it. And, and on uh, mentioning Dan, it's uh, good to uh, see him uh, getting quickly onto the road to recovery. We're all yes. a little bit worried about you there, sir. Uh, yeah, there's a bit uh, panicky for a while, but yeah, it's good to good to see you uh, back and, and farting fit. Yes, indeed. Indeed. And speaking of Dan, who is in the chat, shall we jump in the chat and see who's about Magazine? <laughs> Yes, we shall. Um, so, firstly, as has become a, a weird tradition, uh, Kings Pigs Basler, who again, so, uh, after thank for this amazing um, uh, background, as Sarkoff's his guts up yet again. Uh, and then, ironically, takes a vape, which you would think would be counterproductive. No, anyway. mate, no, no, no. This this vape <laughs> juice is very soothing on the throat. Trust me. <laughs> Honey, flavor, is it? <laughs> it's Vic vapor rub flavor. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, uh, King's Pigs Banner, again, uh, thanks for the artwork. It's absolutely amazing. But he has uh, he started this tradition where he gets me to say things that maybe I wouldn't necessarily agree with. So he's put, I would like to make a statement. Yes, me, Podfather Max, the man <laughs> you are listening to right now. In many ways, the work of a critic is easy. We risk very little, yet enjoy a position over those who offer up their work and their selves to our judgment now i thought that was that was actually quite poignant and then i realized it's from the the cartoon film ratatouille so yeah let me down a little bit there but i do like criticizing other other people it's fun i mean does it make it less poignant or important that it's from a cartoon 
No, it probably makes it more poignant, to be fair. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I was just, I was just asking the question. Next in the chat, we've got uh, Dan asking the question on everybody's lips. Why does Batista, a.k.a. Sa Powell, uh, have Eric Young's nipples? Yeah, Sa, why do you have nipples like Eric Young? I don't know. It's the, just the way I was... Uh... Just the way I was brought up, mate. Just, just what grew upon me. So. <laughs> like, uh, like, like moles. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm also intrigued as to obviously, Pig Spiders has worked some fantastic uh, Photoshop wizardry here. On, it's on got poor, the dimensions perfect. Yes, but on poor Dave's uh, nip nips there. That's interesting enough. The fact that he's found these and superimposed them on the image, or however he does it. The fact that Dan Griffin can identify them as as where the where they've come from, which body <laughs> <they> actually <laughs> he can that narrow it down specifically. Con- <laughs> that is very very concerning. That's true. Uh, so we'll quickly uh, skate over that. Uh, King's Pig Black actually returns to the chat. Says evening. Hello, sir. How are you? And again, Hello. thanks. For, thanks for this. You've ma- you've already made the first eight minutes of the show. Superb. Um, Dan Griffin says evening. CWF. How are we all? Apart from traumatized well <laughs> i think that's the best way to explain every one of us uh dan uh, then says uh mags is a maverick and cannot be stopped well i mean if being stopped you mean i meander very slowly towards the target yeah i suppose I, and i do get distracted <laughs> a lot so there is that with the pace of moss growing I mean, Moss would outpace me, to be quite fair. I wouldn't <laughs> want to enough. race against Moss. Uh, Connor in the chat, hello, sir. Uh, how are you today? And Scottish Danny also in the chat saying, uh, in the style of ECW, C-dub-F, C-dub-F. Yes, sir. You are, you, this, we have got such a great little family, haven't we? we yeah. have. It's amazing. And you can get a ECW-style T-shirt that says CWF from the SJP <laughs> World Media Merchandise Store. Go and treat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Griffin uh, confirms that the internet issues yeah. at all ends were ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I think it was midweek uh, last week that Virgin Media just shut down for the for the day and we had literally no internet or TV. So we we were fucked, basically. Mm. you got to have a conversation there, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, luckily I've got yeah. chickens so I can get someone around my level. Uh, other than that i'm a bit i'm a bit knackered um dan said good to be back you can't get rid of me just yet and then late disappointingly late sharon Mm, it's embarrassing to be fair yeah it's monday night you know what that means yeah well we obviously aren't married at first sight so that's it that's the priority that's it you've let yourself down and you've let your family down Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Stanley says this episode will be a thumbs up, not a fati- uh, Batista thumb. Uh, and Sharon says, Good evening, Seed Ref. How the devil are you all? Um, King's Pigs Baller says, uh, Spot on Mags. Uh, I mean, that's the f- a first that I've actually been spot on, but I massively appreciate it. <laughs> They're from Pornhub. Oh, my goodness. Sars nipples are from Pornhub. Please be from a female because no male porn stars got to have nipples like that. <laughs> Dear me. <laughs> and Dan says, I didn't know they were Eric Young's nipples. I just remember him having scary nipples. Scary yeah, nipples. Who has got the weirdest nipples in wrestling? I think Cesaro's got to be up there. 
Do you know, it's something I've never, I can't say I've ever focused on, like the wrestler's nipples. Well, no, it's not something that I have focused on myself, but well, you asked you, the question. You instantly went so. with Cesaro. Yeah, because he's the first name that sprung to mind when you said about, you know, strange nipples. I thought Cesaro, because his nipples are quite large, aren't they? <laughs> oh, woman nipples. <laughs> brilliant. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Uh, and hashtag Batista thumb nips. <laughs> brilliant stuff. Uh, Magsy, we had the uh, this this government message alarm thing of me go out over our phones did your phone go off yeah it did i mean it, it went to every phone in in britain I like no it didn't did it there's some that it didn't and my wife and my youngest daughter their phone didn't didn't go off oh okay i know that you could turn it off in the settings you can turn off uh emergency alerts in your in your actual phone okay i didn't know that <laughs> i totally forgot all about it and when it went off it scared the crap out of me yeah, we, we're getting a, another version of that event. Sar shat his pants when his went off as we would try to recall. That's right, yeah. It freaked me <laughs> out. And how did, did you not know it was coming? Well, I, I knew this was happening, but I didn't exactly know when or what time. and Or if I did know, I probably just forgot. Oh, yeah, that is a very... Trying to get that working. That's, that's likely. And then... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my phone just went crazy, so... Yeah, freak me out, mate. Freak me out. No, I, I mean, it, man went off because I knew it was coming, so I had my phone anyway, and it went off, and I swiped it off, and all done. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, I don't get the point of it. I mean, we're not we're we're, we're on an island, and it's not we don't really get severe. Um, countrywide flooding or massive earthquakes and stuff like that. So I don't get why we're having this alert now. It just it feels a bit scaremongery, mm. like 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 the government are trying to instill fear into us. Okay, but I don't know. Well. I also don't. I don't think that there's been a lot of kind of. Um, conspiracy theories about it being able oh this is the government's way of tracking you and and uh if they can control your phone what else can they control and it, i just keep relying on the same argument the fact that you have a mobile phone means that you can be tracked yeah no matter what you give away way more of your personal information to the likes of google and twitter and facebook then that the government doesn't need to track you they can mm. literally find you wherever you are because you've got a mobile phone so yeah there is that anyone who has watched an episode of criminal minds or csi or anything like that knows that how easy it is for the government or, or mm. you know certain departments to do that so yes indeed magsy indeed mm -hmm. yeah, i just wish they made it a bit quieter you know freak me out <laughs> <laughs> excuse me why was there not a podcasting option where it wouldn't go off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good shape that's a good shape oh uh, Shall we get on with the show then, Mags? Shall we get on with our normal segments that we have to fulfill and get through this evening? Let's do it. What are we going for first? The Hall of Lame, by any chance? I think so, mate. I think so. That's why we normally do it. The Lame, lame, lame. Maxi, what you got for us, my friend? Okay, so um, 
this week I've got a particular wrestler I want to put in the Hall of Lame. Now, you well, think that's, good. that's kind of how this segment works? No, but it can. It, it doesn't have to be wrestlers. <laughs> it could be gimmicks or storylines. Yes. Uh, but this is actually a wrestler. Um, now, when you um, think of multi generational wrestling families, um, the the people who come after big stars and big characters. They, they tend to fall into a few categories. So you'll get um, wrestlers that outshine their their forefathers. Think people right. like the Usos. They they've had a uh, a huge career compared to Rikisha. You think mm-hmm. of the Rock, who's become one of the biggest stars in wrestling and totally out outshone the the accolades of his of his dad and his grandfather. You then get the kind of wrestlers that that try to try to kind of uh, make their own path. The likes of Cody Rhodes, he's trying his best to step out of his dad's shadow. You've got Charlotte Flair, who's uh, who's becoming greater than a perhaps her, her dad's career was. No, then you, shut up, you tart. No, but I mean. Trailing a, a, a blazing a trail in women's wrestling, then they, okay. they, they stand on their own two feet outside of the parents' uh, accolades or shadow. Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah, I'll get that. And then you you, you get the uh, the wrestlers who who kind of uh, seem to just float in float by and and not really try and get out of their their uh, their parents' shadows. Guys like. Um, Ted DiBiase Jr. He was in the news recently, so he comes to man. Uh, wasn't a bad wrestler, but didn't set the world on fire. And then you get the ones uh, that absolutely shit the bed when it comes to wrestling. And my entrant this week is one of those guys. So, Tagajit Singh. Absolutely. Absolute uh, legend of wrestling in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, Travelled the world uh, for the who's who of that time uh, of wrestling. Uh, And his son wanted to enter the wrestling world. Uh, His son being Tiger Ali Singh. Now, Tiger Ali had the benefit of being trained by... Uh, one of the pillars of wrestling in Antonio Inoki. So he had every opportunity to be a great wrestler. And when he uh, signed for the WWF about five years into his wrestling career, he was given the the 12-gun salute. He was brought in like a big, big deal. They were... There were superstar wrestlers who didn't get the the kind of introduction that he got. He got a press conference in his hometown uh, at the Sky Dome to announce he'd signed for the company. Um, his his first promo said he was going to be the face of, of the WWF, and for a while that push went went pretty well. Within uh, a couple of months, he'd actually become. Uh, the winner of the WWF Kuwait Cup. He beat Owen Hart in the final. And he was on the start of being that the big star that he should have been. And then people started to realise that perhaps he wasn't 
that good of a wrestler. And the the WWF soured on him pretty quickly. Um, a couple of months into his, his tenure, and he had a gimmick change from being this uh, flash suit-wearing wrestler to being typical foreign, arrogant, rich Indian. Right. But the the twist was he had the he had a a wish version of Ted DiBiase as a character. Um, he even had his own Virgil called Babu, and he would uh, do the things that Ted DiBiase used to do: P- pay people to do um, demeaning tasks like licking uh, Babu's feet. That was one of them. I think he paid someone five hundred dollars to do that. But his wrestling just did not improve and he was eventually sent to um to puerto rico the international wrestling association to work on his wrestling skills um and it was there that in th- in that month he suffered three concussions oh dear and, yeah and the the last concussion essentially put pay to his wrestling career um, he said he was forced to wrestle uh, in an outdoor event in in the rain. Um, now he slipped whilst in this match. He hit his head, went unconscious, uh, and then when he came around, he found he was alone in the dressing room. Now his first thoughts was Puerto Rico, alone in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm getting bruised abroad in here. Because he'd heard rumblings that the WWE were were trying to to basically get rid of him, so he got on the first flight home. Uh, the WWE sent him um, a letter saying that if he didn't return to Puerto Rico uh, and and uh, see out his developmental, he will get terminated. Now he happily accepted that termination, and he, uh, he essentially didn't wrestle again until uh, 2008 when he was finally clear to, to return. And I think he ended up actually having a, a wrestling match with him him and his dad as tag team partners. But yeah, this week's entrant is a, a little bit sad because he could have been a big star, mm-hmm. but he just absolutely shit the bed in the wrestling ring and thought he was going to get stabbed up in Puerto Rico. So uh. in poor Tiger Ali Singh. Tiger Ali Singh, bloody hell. So much fanfare for so little, isn't it, really? Yeah. Imagine, though, the Skardome where the WWE have had some of their biggest shows where they've got mm. the hottest crowd, and that's where you've been introduced and then months down the line, you, you, you're essentially a, a jobber with a, a tired old gimmick. Unless we not forget, he did end up being a manager which I may bring up in the next episode of, of Hall of Lame. Interesting. Interesting. So it links into the future as well. I like a bit of that. I was thinking. There you go. Uh, it's funny you mention, Magsy, someone who basically became just a, a, a glorified jobber and so on, because my entrant into the Hall of Lame this week made a career out of basically being a jobber and had several different gimmicks and several different roles for the company, some more successful than others. But this particular gimmick was just nonsense. I'm talking about the Brooklyn Brawler, 
or more so the man who played the Brooklyn Brawler. Steve Lombardi. Lombardi. That's right, Steve Lombardi. Uh, the Brooklyn Brawler itself, i got no issues with. That gimmick was what it was. It served a purpose and so on. Mm-hmm. He obviously played Doink the Clang for a period. And uh, who else did he play? Oh, Kim Shee, the manager of Kamada as well for a time. So, you know, he was around WWF television for, for quite a long time in different guises and to varying levels of, I suppose, mediocre success, potentially. However, in 1994, Major League Baseball went on a strike. Now, I don't know masses about this, the ins and outs and so on, but this was used by the WWF as a bit of a promotional tactic to effectively say, we don't go on strike here. We have no off-season. We will entertain you all the time. I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, it's very difficult for these performers to go on strike because they're never allowed to form a union. So, you know, that doesn't really work out for them. Uh, and we had video packages of you know, baseball being affected by this this strike. Now, bear in mind, this is the major leagues. This is you know major league baseball and so on. To really hit home, the, you know, the sympathy factor uh, and how much these baseball players are supposedly letting the fans down. We had a young boy in a video turn up to his little league game, which, by the way, would not have been affected by the major league baseball strike in any way shape or form but there was a sign up saying no game today this little lad was upset and so on and then randy savage turns up who himself played baseball to some level in his earlier days and randy savage threw a ball for the lad a few times and everyone walked off nice and happy and there was a clip at the end of this little video package saying you know we don't go on strike we'll never abandon you and all that nonsense that was in pretty bad taste in itself but True to WWF and Vince McMahon form, that's not enough. We're going to double down on this bullshit. So McMahon comes up with a character. Well, Lombardi apparently came up with a character, but McMahon was all about this. Came up with a character to basically play on this, this fact that baseball players are now bad guys, apparently. Uh, this guy was referred to as Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. And was done up like a... Well, there's a mascot that looks similar to this for one of the teams. I'm not sure which one it is. But his face is painted up like a, like a baseball. He's wearing a baseball yeah. uniform. Is that like a character at the Warriors? Yes, exactly. Yes, that's right. Great film, that is. Uh, he came to the ring to a kind of slightly more sinister version of Take Me Down to the Ball Game, that music. You know. Obviously, when the bell rang, it was Steve Lombardi. So we knew what we were getting. <laughs> but... This, again, used to, I suppose, poke fun at other sports that, you know, are going on strike or have off-seasons or whatever. The issue we have as well is this character, this version, this, 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 this portrayal on television by Lombardi stank the place up. He was supposed to be a heel and was, you know, getting booze, but it was go away booze. It was, this is not, we don't, we're not booing you because you're a bad guy. We're booing you because we don't want to see you. Mm-hmm. One of the aspects in his matches, if people can remember back to 94 going into 95, was he would pretend to kick dirt on people like he was in a baseball ground, uh, including the referees. And now, of course, that doesn't work because they're on a canvas. Uh, he would also basically, in promos and interviews, chastise fans for going to wrestling shows instead of baseball games. Now, that's twofold for me. One, there are no baseball games to go to. They're on fucking strike. That's the point of your character. 
and two, you're in a wrestling arena yourself, so you're really contradicting your own point. Thankfully, this didn't last too long. Lombardi reverted back to a previous gimmick, or no, around that time, probably would have donned the makeup for Doink the Clown for a period, I think. Maybe my timeline's a bit screwed up there. But yes, uh, my entrance into the Hall of Lane this week, and well worth taking a quick look at, and I suggest it is a quick look. Uh, it is. I mean, it has to be a quick look. It didn't last long. <laughs> exactly. Is Steve Lombardi as Knuckleball Schwartz. Not a good look. Great, great pick. Well, thank you very much. Those are your entrants into this week's Hall of Lame. Let us know what you think in the chat and on Twitter after the show and after the audio version comes out. We have Tiger Ali Singh and Knuckleball Schwartz. Two very different but equally shite characters. <laughs> Maxie, do we have anything in the chat, my friend, before we jump on to our non-wrestling topic this week? We have. Um, King's, King's Pig's Bladder saying he didn't get um, um, oh. one of the, the automated sirens. And now did Sharon or, or the the little Powells saying oh. that uh, they didn't get off, so they're destined to die in the zombie. <laughs> <laughs> Mort joining the chat at the perfect time. I uh, wanted to know what happened with your nipples. Well, I mean, you'll have to listen back, sir, to find out. But let's just say Sar has got a sad business in baby milk. Oh, dude. <laughs> That's not <Yeah>. good. <laughs> uh, Dan Griffin says, scaremongering distraction tactics by a corrupt set of bastards. I mean... He's not wrong, is he? I mean, the mm. government is as corrupt as it's going to get. Um, Mort says it looks like reverse nipple topia. That's when Sars nipples are in his. Wait till you see him when they're out is. In his night is. Dan Griffin, uh, wherever you walked into, Mort, then have your eye out. Like, like, the, like the title of the episode, you can cut glass with those bad boys. Indeed. <laughs> Good sir, could you perchance make your alarm less alarming? Yeah, I, can, I, 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 I would I'm, love to see the the video where you absolutely shat your whack from. Oh, uh, I don't think we had the cameras on at the time, but I've got the audio, so That'd maybe be we'll, brilliant. Maybe we'll um, that. Dad also says Tiger Ali Singh winning the the Kuwait Cup is like Spurs winning the Audi Cup. Uh, Jesus, and. uh Topical King Pigs Banner says Spurs sack another manager. Yeah, they sacked the did they sack the caretaker manager? <laughs> yeah, they got destroyed at Newcastle, didn't they? They were like five nil down after 20 after minutes, like 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's grim. Uh, and Dan saying, I'm so happy I don't remember Nuncle Shuffle Sword. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant, amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh. Well, thank you so, so much to everyone who has joined us. Uh, Magsy, we better get on, haven't we? Non-wrestling topic time, I think, bud. Let's do it. NWT time. Oh, no wrestling talk here. It's the non-wrestling topic. Lovely. Nice. Lovely. Nice. Oh, lovely. Lovely. <laughs> Filthy belch. This week's non-wrestling topic was quite simply shit songs from great bands. Mm -hmm. We've all got a, fa a favorite artist or an album we love or whatever, but there's a bit of a weak link somewhere along the line, isn't there? If we're being realistic, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, Not everyone can be a banger. 
Exactly, exactly. And we had lots of responses, all different types and genres of music. Um, yeah, half surprising. of it, I'm probably gonna, yeah, yeah, half of it, I'm probably not gonna know or have heard. So that'll make for great audio content. But we'll, uh, we'll still run through mags in the order they arrived into us. Yes, antique scrolling by me, indeed, indeed. First of all, we have Brian Lapitan at Brian Lapitan on Twitter. He says, Judas Priest dropped the ball with Turbo, going way too commercial. The worst song has to be Loch Ness from the Angel of Retribution album. 13 minutes of boredom. I've not heard that Loch Ness but the album Turbo or the song Turbo at least I didn't think it was too bad mm, that's because you're a commercial music kind of guy yeah that's exactly what I am of course <laughs> Jeez, man. No, I mean pre-star I, I don't know heavy, I am not a massive listener of Judas Priest mm, okay uh, but a 13 minute song if it doesn't catch your attention that could be absolutely just so long to listen to so yeah i can understand him not being happy with that yes indeed indeed uh tyler peters and scottish danny did an episode of back when uh a while back and well they did an episode of back when back when i suppose uh, and they were looking at a judas priest album and okay. it's well worth a listen. Really good stuff. Batwen's a fantastic show, man. Those two guys are so good at what they do. Well worth checking out. Uh, following Brian, we have Scottish Danny himself at Scottish wow. Juggalo on Segway. Yeah, look at that. That was almost like it was intentional. Danny says, I'll always be a Limp Biscuit fan, but their latest album really did nothing for me. I've tried several times and I'm always asking, is it bad or is the music they did in the 2000s so good that everything else pales in comparison? Uh, I mean, they were good at the time. I don't think the music has aged well. Um, the, the stuff from, uh, is it Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavoured Water? That album yeah. is, that's not too bad. Then uh, that's kind of where it tails off for me. I, th- I like a couple of songs off the next album, which I think is Results May Vary. Mm-hmm. But yeah, their later stuff was, they just kept trying to recapture that that rolling my way um that that kind of vibe and and yeah it didn't really work for me so they had a lot of crap songs yeah it was like you said max it was very much of its time Mm -hmm. you know um, that whole kind of new metal rap guitaring stuff yeah Yeah. Uh, sharon and i have seen them live and when they played all that stuff from that time, you know, 99, 2000, 2001. Fantastic. Started playing a couple of the new songs. It's time to go to the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Danny also says, Motorhead, God Save the Queen is a miss too. And I say, Oof. fuck you, Danny, you're wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Um, (laughs) 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 I mean, I'm assuming that's a a cover. Yes. Um, Covers for me, they fall into two 
categories they're at, they either are really good or absolutely wank. Mm. So it'd be interesting to listen to that and find out which which kind of section it goes into. Obviously, I love you really, Danny. I don't mean that. <laughs> as I responded on Twitter, you're very brave uh, having any form of diss towards Motorhead on a show that I'm involved in. I love that Chris Bellis replied to him and, and put, look out for one man's meat pod with new guest host, Millwall <laughs> Chris as well. Great plug-in. <laughs> Uh, good cop, bad cop wrestling podcast at good bad wrestle on Twitter. They say hashtag bad cop moment. Lou Reed metal machine music. I have absolutely no idea what that is. Not heard it at all. I literally but, only know one Lou Reed song. And what's that one? Perfect day. Oh yeah. Okay. I know that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lou Reed is, wasn't he the guy who did something with Metallica a little while back? They did an album called Lulu. And I've, I might be getting this completely wrong. People in the chat, let us know, please. But I'm fairly certain it was Lou Reed. And it ended up being... an album called Lulu with Lulu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you think so. But they, they played... Obviously, Metallica you know, played their music. And Lou Reed effectively read poetry over the top, I think. Oh, very avant-garde. Yeah, it was pretty shit, to be fair. It was pretty shit. But yeah, there we go. Uh at Pigs Bladders, our good friend, the Photoshop Wizard on Twitter. He the said, star of this week's show, no less. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Look at this. I mean, people the on MVP. the audio version, people on the audio version are missing out on this. We're getting the four glorious faces of Kiss from their solo albums, all in time from the Twitter feed, which is fantastic. Uh, Kiss, Pigs Bladders says, one of the greatest live bands of all time. Hit album after hit album. Then, in their wisdom, decided to release four solo albums simultaneously, one for each member. Not only was the is it the biggest cash grab ever, all four albums were shit. I th- is that a case of you th- are starting to believe your own bullshit? You've got people around you blowing so much smoke up your ass that you think you can pull that off. It's... I'm, I'm pig spiders is spot on it was a typical four kiss in pretty much their entire career it was a massive cash grab and they were so popular and, and the four guys is the four face paints and so on and they each re- have different musical tastes and they each released a solo album i think ace freely the guitarist his album was potentially the best selling because it was back to a proper sort of rock and roll sort of more mm-hmm. that that way um but yeah it's it's i think with kiss it's a situation of the the sum of the parts are better than yeah yeah. you know i I wonder if whoever sold the 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 least amount i wonder if they got bullied by the others i hope so (laughs) i'm fairly certain it would have been peter chris the drummer the one who looks like a little bit like a hamster with his face paint on you know, I mean, it's like a hamster. It's yeah, stupid. You got you got Paul Stanley there, who's done up like I mean, Stanley's got the big hair and the star on his face. He's the star child. And he's the big glam rocker, and that works. You got Gene Simmons, who's the demon, and he's got the, you know the blood and the tongue and the hair and the scary face paint. You got the spaceman of Ace Freely with the silver face paint and the s- guitar that smokes as he plays it. And, and then you've got a guy who sits at the back. Trying, yeah, he looks like a cat. Or a, come on, mate, have a word for yourself. A, yes, I'm a crossing. big fan of Kiss, but those albums don't get played. Those albums do not get played. Uh, even worse, Gene Simmons released a solo album in the 2000s that I got for one pound in FOP, if you remember that store. And it was shit. Fop? What the hell is FOP? You don't remember FOP? No. 
It was like, I think it was a chain of them. Uh, I think the logo was purple. It was F O P P and it was a music shop and it was similar to, I suppose, uh, MVC in a way in that they would buy old stock and sell these albums in bulk. They're cheap. And one of the ones they got was Gene Simmons solo album, you know, quite aptly named asshole. And even they couldn't get rid of it and ended up flogging it off for a quid. So FOP never made it up here. Never heard oh, okay. of it. Okay. Yeah, no, I used to like going in there. I, I picked up a few Wasp albums in there, Dead Cheap as well. Uh, on the Gene Simmons solo album, actually, that I'm thinking of, I think it was called Asshole. He does a, a I guitar. I think it was. He does a guitar and bass heavy version of um, Firestarter by The Prodigy. <laughs> unless I'm having some kind of weird fever dream. And, but yeah, that was terrible as well. It's not good. But yeah, Kiss themselves are awesome. Sharon correcting you, as as you probably get on the daily. I'm pretty sure they were an indie store. Ah, okay, there we go. I miss it anyway. I miss, I miss music shops. I do, but there we go. Uh, Connor Knows Footy, at Connor Knows Footy on Twitter. He says, for me, it's got to be Metallica's recent release, 72 Seasons. For the first spot, they released four singles from this album, which is way too many for me, kind of ruins the listen-through, and the majority of the songs are a real miss for me. I tried to like it, but I couldn't, but just couldn't. It's too modern. I've not listened to it. No, never have I. I don't mind a bit of Metallica, but I'm going to sound like a real pretentious old old man rock, rock fan now, but I like early Metallica. Yeah. I mean, I like, probably like mid-Metallica more. Okay. Like um, the memory remains, added yeah, yeah. Finger, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's all right. I don't want some of that. I like. I mean, I, I quite like uh, uh, the, the more flashy stuff. So, Kill 'Em All. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Justice for All, Master of Puppets, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, some of the later stuff that you mentioned there is quite good as well. And then no, they just... did Send Anger, and I yeah, it. that and wasn't very good. Oh, it was so bad. It was. It terrible. was. It, 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 it was. It was like something. Uh, a garage band recorded on an iPhone. Yeah. Awful. awful. It was really, really, really bad. It was indeed. I've never seen Metallica. I'd like to, but they're one of the bands that I've never actually got the chance to get around to see, but there we go. Weren't it uh, Metallica that essentially brought down Napster as well? Yes. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Connor continues. Another shout to an album I tried to like and had some decent tracks is Ozzy Osbourne's recent album called Patient Number no. 9. Ozzy lost his touch in his old age and it relies on a lot of features. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. 
I mean, I've heard a couple of tracks from it, and it just sounds like standard kind of generic Ozzy Osbourne stuff. Yeah. The big hits, I think, were again going back in the day, weren't they? One, uh, uh, an Ozzy Osbourne song made it onto my list. The one he did with Kelly Osbourne was it oh, changes. changes? Yeah, there's an old Black Sabbath okay. track. Yeah, yeah, but when you when you bring in Kelly, mm. you kind of ruin it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I think with Ozzy, I mean, the guy's fantastic. He's an absolute legend. But I think with Ozzy, he needs someone alongside him who's really uh, helps with the creative process. When mm-hmm. he first went solo, when he had Randy Rhodes playing guitar for him, some of the stuff they produced in those first few albums are absolutely incredible. And then Zach Wilde, when, when Zach Wilde took over as guitarist in, in Ozzy's solo band, you know, No More Tears and all that sort of stuff, absolutely incredible music. And I think that's, kind of what Ozzy needs sometimes mm-hmm. fun fact Ozzy Osbourne the what is he like in, he must be in his 70s surely yes yes he's the face of PlayStation VR 2 which oh. seems absolutely wild it does seem a bit odd I wouldn't have put those two together myself but there we go no. uh, GH at Carry the Gary on Twitter hello sir he says, yeah, I heard of you for a little while. I don't think, Gary. Good to, good to have you back along, my friend. Uh, he says, like Blink-182, but I can't take I miss you seriously. Like a dummy's guide to being the cure. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I don't mind the song I miss you, but it's such a a departure from the the stuff that they did before and like the kind mm. of comedy rock stuff and then they try and go all serious and and forlorn yeah it it, it is it's jarring to hear yeah. that song from a band like blink 182 i think with blink 182 they came along at a time maybe too late for me okay because I, I was very much set in my ways i think by the time they made it big and yeah. i kind of i kind of looked at blink 182 and to be fair not not early Green Day, but like American Idiot Green Day and onwards. Mm-hmm. I kind of looked at a lot of that and Good Charlotte, that kind of American skater kind of punk. Yeah. yeah, I kind of looked at it and it, it weren't for me. It weren't for it me. W- it was radio friendly punk, commercial mm. punk. Well, this is it. I, I used to get really cross when people called it punk because to me, punk's the pistols, the clash, and stuff like no, that. No, yeah, I get it, but it, it's it's that style. Yeah, yeah. Where. But I, I do get what you mean. The, mm. It's not it's not punker. Is it's, it's more like essential roots. But it, they are trying to be punk bands, but also radio friendly. I just tie them all in with Avril Lavigne, and she's not really rock and roll at all, is she? I mean, she's very K-pop now. Is she? Yeah. Well, it's like, that's like Japanese, isn't it? K-pop. Is that correct? Well, Korean. So that's Korean. Kind, okay. Kind of. That'll be what the K there. stands for. <laughs> you dumb motherfucker! There we go. Look at that. You, learn, you learn something every day, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> that's Japanese. That Korean pop. Well, it's all Japanese to me. <laughs> I didn't realise it stood for korean so there we go you learn some every day <laughs> i need to apologize to everybody as well in the chat and and, and listening of hero us live and on the audio version later in the week uh, my voice is going i think as i'm sort of coughing and spluttering here so please bear you sounded me. husky sexy um <laughs> alan smith on twitter at flanderosa i think that says at flanderosa on twitter 
Yep. Wonderlust by R.E.M. I adore them. Probably my favorite band of all time. And there have been songs that are less good, but that is the only song of theirs that I always skip. It's on their worst album by far, called Around the Sun. So it's yeah, easy to a, avoid. That's at a least. wank album. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. I don't. Again, mm-hmm. REM are a band that the big hits I know, and obviously they were a big deal for a long, long time. But I suppose the deeper cuts, the album stuff, I, I'm not too familiar with. You know, mm-hmm. they're a band who uh, are kind of like dipped in and out with, like some of the early stuff. Uh, um, I really like. Then like the big hits, I like, and then when it gets to kind of like uh, the more uh, experimental stuff, maybe like like tracks like Ebo, The Letter, um, kind of go off the boil. Then they came back with um, the imitation of Laugh and um, The Great Beyond, and I thought, yeah, I'm back as an REM fan. And then they drop off again. And, yeah. I'm, hmm. I'm, I don't know. I just They're a band that are kind of like going waves, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. They're not doing anything anymore now, are they? They're all they're all done, aren't they? I think. Oh uh, yeah, but I think so. I don't think they even tour anymore. I mm. think they they had a falling out. A couple of them uh, had a big falling out. Oh, okay. Uh, Chris Bellis at Real Chris Bellis on Twitter. He says, "I can't think of anything from a band I like as such, but if we're talking hip hop, yeah, anything anything goes, mate. Any genre of music." Uh, if we're talking hip-hop, Snoop Doggy Dog nearly tarnished his legacy with Snoop's Upside Your Head. Was that not one of his earlier songs? I don't know. Can you tarnish an early legacy? I think Snoop tarnished his legacy when he went all reggae trying to be snoop lion i know nowhere near enough about hip-hop or snoop dog to be, understand any of this right so snoop well it was a pioneer of the the kind of like uh west coast real gangster um rap music he he he, he was a uh, a kind of like a a trailblazer then he 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 was one of the few kind of like uh, West Coast rappers that really started to make it mainstream uh, when it okay. started to be. Uh, I think he did an album called Rhythm and Gangster. Uh, that's the one with um, Drop It Like It's Hot. You'll know that song. Yeah, so I know that one. He started doing like uh, songs with big pop stars. So he, he really made that transition. And then he went crazy and did some uh, reggae uh I don't remember Snoop's Upside Head, but I'm sure that's an earlier track. Uh, and now, obviously, he's, uh, he's the golden WWE champion, so you can't really slag him off. See, I could be completely wrong with this, but when I hear Snoop's Upside Your Head, I think of Oops Upside. Yeah. yeah it so is, is that. that what that was? I think so. Okay. I don't think he did the original, but I think he, he covered it fairly early. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Cam at CamGriff92 on Twitter. He says, not a great band, not a great band in my opinion, honest, he says, uh, but heard Girls Allowed cover of Walk This Way on the radio today. It's shite. Wasn't a fan of Humbug when Arctic Monkeys released it, but as with all of their albums, it fucking bangs now. Fucking bangs now. That's a Yorkshire thing. Triple zero in fucking there. Ah, okay. Uh, also, the link 
the two to link the two together. Arctic Monkeys did a cover of Love Machine, and that's class. Oh, okay, fair it enough. Is. It is actually a class. Um, I've not heard the girls allowed version of walk this way but again it's cover versions they're either very very mm. good or absolute wank yeah. um arctic monkeys oh yeah they're they're a band and cam kind of describes it pretty perfectly there even if you don't get into the 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 music at the time of release a few listens on or even a few uh a couple of years down the line they grow on you like a, a fungus they <laughs> like a fungus <laughs> but but they for me they're experimental enough that they kind of stick to the roots that they started with but uh kind of show more of their influences but they don't go so far out of that kind of comfort zone that it alienates the fan base if you understand what i mean okay. some people can release uh uh an an experimental album and it's so bizarre and so different to what they've done that, that you just can't get into, into mm. the music. So yeah. yeah, yeah Arctic Monkeys are great. Uh, Dan Griffin at Dan Griffin 21 on Twitter. Dan says struggling with this one. Normally like Eminem, but wasn't a fan of walk on water featuring Beyonce on revival. Really like the Foo Fighters. But never been a fan of Everlong, despite it being one of their classics. Wash your, wash your dirty mouth out, Mister Griffin. That's <laughs> horrific. How dare you besmirch Everlong? Everlong is amazing. I see. I I know. I know it. But how does it go? It's the it's the um, the video you'll you'll probably know. It's the one with the giant telephone uh. and the giant hand. Whenever is it? Um, what's he called? The the lead Dave Grohl when he's angry, yeah. his hand goes massive. Oh yes, okay, yeah, I can remember that. Okay, yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, I've never been a massive Foo Fighters fan though. To be fair, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say I'm a diehard, um, but the, I do every now and again like a good Foo Fighter sesh. Mm. Okay. It's that time of the week again, where we hear from our good buddy Steve-O, at Total Steve-O on Twitter. Everybody say what time is it? Steve-O. Steve-O says, I find this really difficult to answer, but one cover that sticks out that is terrible is Godhead's Eleanor Rigby. Abysmal. I'm now, not a fan I of remember. I don't know. I mean, I... I, mean, I this I I like the Beatles. Don't get me wrong, but there mm-hmm. are some that just doesn't. I don't vibe whatsoever. I don't mind Eleanor Rigby. It's not one of my favourites, but I, I wouldn't say I, I dislike it. I, mm. I don't like the Godhead version, though. No. no, I don't think I've heard it to be fair. Uh, Steve-O says his closest friend Merle said "Bad Wolves" cover of "Mama, I'm Coming Home" by Ozzy Osbourne. A Bad Wolves are a, a, a group that. Sharon came uh, found a track of theirs, and I think it was a cover of. Let us know in in the chat, Sharp, please. I'm pretty certain it was a cover of "Zombie" by the Cranberries that they did.
and that was brilliant that was a really good cover version okay. i'm fairly certain i've heard the mama i'm coming home one but again if it's not aussie i'm i don't i don't want i don't really want to sort of give it the time i suppose you know yeah i i understand written by lemmy originally so there we go the more you know mm. steve got the news certainly songs and cheating like mags i cannot listen to anymore rude i've uh, heard them so many times people mean we're 118 episodes in people know the crack we you know yeah <laughs> they've got you Cheat- figured out ironically he's, he's calling me out to be a cheater on the episode where you cheated I, well i didn't cheat oh what wrestling match are we watching again Steve-O says, um, <laughs> <laughs> songs he's he can't hear anymore because he's heard them so many times. Kill Switches, Last Serenade, and End of Heartache. Oh, I love those tracks, though. I love those. I love Kill Switch. So. Uh, Slipknot's Wait and Bleed, Spit It Out, People Equal Shit, and My Plague. Mm-hmm. Slipknot Magsy, I don't know if we've spoken about them very much. They're a bit hit and miss for me. Yeah. Is, is it something you're into, or...? I mean, that's not my genre of music at mm. all, but there is a few tracks that I don't mind. Um, Wait and Bleed, I like, I like that one. Um, what's uh, Psychosocial? Yeah, I don't okay. mind that. Uh, Duality, I don't mind. Yeah, the, the, the one, I can't even remember the song's name, but where the kids in an abandoned house that is eating cereal yes. with dirty water. What is that song called? Uh, anyway, I like that one. Yeah. Left behind. Left behind. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm cheating, Stevo says. But by weird coincidence, <laughs> this like sorry, shut up, you knob. <laughs> this band called Brand of Sacrifice. Incredible first EP. They released first album, was okay. But the other day released a new EP. It's dire. Trying to be what bring me the horizon are today. Fails painfully. And, and, then, and that that's when you don't stick to your roots and you're trying to be something that you're not and you, yeah. you fall flat on your face. Exactly. And then Steve-O finishes up by saying, oh God, just thought of this one. Times of Grace, incredible first album. 10 years later, released a new album and it's appalling. Okay. 10 years later, 10 years between albums. That's a long old time, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It adds more. He does, yes. I'll just come to that now, actually. And this is, I think, the last one I've got from uh, from Twitter today, Max. Steve-O finishes up by saying, more, I'm afraid, albeit no specifics. A lot of deathcore acts want to always try to be the next big thing and throw in clean vocals. 99% of the time this happens, I have to turn it off as it doesn't fit at all. It can work, but unfortunately doesn't. Yeah, okay. You you have missed one. Uh, uh, and- no, uh, thanks, thanks Steve for the Steve section. Always appreciated, sir. Uh, Who am I apologizing missed, to this week? Um, Mr. Butler, Matt Butler. Oh, I'm AKA so sorry, sir. Trey Butler, who I had the pleasure of being on CRISPR Vision with. Uh, and me and him were almost kindred spirits in our love for, for fried potato snacks. We both had a list that was included none of the original list. Uh, we, we were that passionate about it, but he says that uh, the Chemical Brothers song "Salmon Dance." What were they thinking? Yeah, that's a. Oh. a Chemical Brothers are again are another. Uh, you can't really call them a band, but artists that they'll do something that is really, really good, and then it'll be absolute gash for 
for ages and ages, and then they'll pop up and do something else pretty good. Um, so, yeah, Salmon Dance is not a good track. Not a good track at all. I, I don't know it. I don't know. I don't it's know it's that, all that dancey-wancy stuff that you don't... Uh, electronic you stuff. <laughs> don't want a bit of Two Unlimited or something like that. <laughs> you know, DJ Scooter. That was, that was somebody, wasn't it? He did stuff like that. Scooter wasn't a DJ, but I do understand what you mean. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, what about your good self, Mags? Do you have any uh, bad songs by great artists? Um, uh, I do. Um, and like I said, I, a lot of my issues are with cover versions. Okay. Um, now, there's Paul McCartney and Wings there did a cover version of Mary Had a Little Lamb, and it's fucking terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Um, Eric Clapton, um, he did a cover version of of the the reggae classic "I Shot the Sheriff." Oh, awful, absolutely awful. Uh, there's a, a track by Elvis Presley called "Confidence," which is essentially just a reworded version of of the song "High Hopes," where he is in a playground with kids um, spelling out the word confidence a lot. Okay. Um, one of the, the, probably the most disappointing is Chuck Berry. Now, obviously one of the grandfathers of rock and roll. Yep. And his, his only number one hit was a song dedicated to his penis. My dingaling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, then one of the weirdest songs, again, I thought I said earlier that I'm a, a fan of the Beatles, but there's some stuff that just doesn't vibe with me. They, they uh, did a track in the kind of, um, Yoko Ono ruining everything because she's a prick era, uh, called revolution nan. And it's, a it's essentially less of a song and more of, people trying to tune a radio in for eight minutes and not getting absolutely anywhere and then ending with Yoko saying we should all be naked over and over. Uh, And then probably the the most weird song that, that you'll ever hear. So everyone will probably have heard of uh, a track called Je Tem by Serge Gainsbourg. Yeah. Massively famous. Now, uh, he and his daughter did a track. Uh, his oh, daughter's no. called Charlotte. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it's called Incest de Citron, which means lemon interest. Lemon incest. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Yeah. Oh no! And the lyrics are Serge Gainsbourg should perhaps be on a register. Let's just say that. <laughs> so okay. He sings the well. I'll just read the lyrics. One of the lyrics says, "Your kisses are so sweet. I love you more than anything." 
the love that we never make together is the most beautiful and the most violent, the purest, the intoxicating, delicious oh, child. And it says over and over, lemon incest through the song. So, yeah, that's a, a very weird shit song about maybe mm. Serge Gainsbourg and his daughter doing the horizontal no pants dance. That is, yeah, the less said about that, the better. I think, <laughs> what is wrong with people? My God. And I, I suppose it comes That's why we can't have nice things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a couple, I suppose. Um, I mentioned the Beatles earlier on. I find the Beatles really hit and miss. Mm-hmm. It's either bloody brilliant or it's complete dross. Uh, the likes of Eleanor Rigby and so on. Just don't get it. I don't understand at all. You know, it's it's not good. Yesterday, I don't like either. It's just so dreary and miserable. I'm not a fan of that. Uh, Wasp, one of my favourite bands of all time. I've said numerous times that they do a cover of Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting by Elton John, and it's the worst thing that I've ever heard. It genuinely makes me want to vomit and like pull my own ears off the side of my head. And Iron Maiden. I love Maiden. Been a Maiden fan my whole life. But the Fear of the Dark album in 1992 or 1991, 92, I think, when that was released, obviously the title track, huge, big track and, and you know, live, it's a massive thing now. And it, the live version ended up being released as a single with the crowd singing along and all that. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, fantastic record. The rest of the album, at first listen, it's not great. But I've gone back and listened to it a few more times now in, in recent years. And there's, you know, it's grown on me. Apart from a track called The Apparition, it is garbage. I just don't understand. To me, I mean, Bruce Dickinson left the band after this album. And they brought in Blaze Bailey to sing for a Out few Out of years. shit. This to me, Magsy, The Apparition on the Fear of the Dark album, this sounds like a band breaking up. It's three and a half minutes of a band breaking up in audio form. It's just dog shit it is terrible and that's difficult for me to say I love me. <laughs> but nothing by motorhead scottish danny you knob just so we're clear okay <laughs> i mean the ace of spades is wank oh my god it, it's not my favorite to be fair <laughs> yeah i know you have said that before yeah yeah, yeah. So it's, it's it's the same as like you know when you say to people are made and they think runs of the hills or number of the beast you say motorhead they think ace of spades and motorhead for example pushing 50 years of fucking music it's not one song. Go yeah. and li- do, do, listen to other stuff, you know? No. Um, it says a spades or nothing. Not bad. <laughs> what, have <we> got, <laughs> what have we got in the chat, Mags, before we move on to a bit of wrestling? <laughs> listen to the Inferno album. And not you, Maxie. You can just fuck off. Everyone I am else. not. I will never listen to that album. Listen, the only other Mortehead song I'll listen to is Triple H's in, intro music. Right, okay. And the, the, and specifically the one where he got the words wrong live and just made it up as he went along. <laughs> oh dear! Listen, everyone else, then ignore Maxie. Listen to the Inferno album. It's much much later in their career. It's fantastic. But there we go. What have we got in the chat, Max? <laughs> so going all the way back, uh, Dan Griffin says he's Judas Priest, Damien's brother. Yes. No, is <laughs> Moo. His moo. His moo moo. <laughs> His mum finally got to it King Pig's Ballers there. Only took four tries. 
Mum only has three letters, and it took you four attempts to get that word yeah. correct. Dan Griffin, Judas Priest is your mum, King's Pink's Mother's shop. <laughs> and he blamed it on his tablet having a fit. Fair and enough. And be- becomes mummy bladders. He also confirms that the kiss makeup is meant to be a cat. Yes, it is, yes. Ridiculous. I mean, of all the things you could make up on, why? Did he pick that himself? Did he go, yeah. I want to be a kitty cat? Yeah, I think so, mate. And even then, it does still look quite a bit like a hamster. I mean, he could have gone with anything. A tiger, could have got a lion. Mm. Yeah. A clown, but he went with Gold. cat. I don't know if a clown would have worked. Everyone else there with the black and white face paint. <laughs> with a big, big red nose. playing the drums behind Paul Stanley. <laughs> and just pulling out handkerchiefs. Out <laughs> oh. uh, King's Pigs Man also says that asshole was shit. It was. Um, and he says also Black is the best album. That's uh, is that a Metallica album? Metallica, the Black Album. Yeah, it is good. I, I do like that. But to me, that's where Metallica changed. They went from being the thrash band to being megastars with this slightly different sound. And they still produce some incredible music. The Black Album, I love. But my taste is just slightly heavier with the thrash stuff, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Sharon says, yeah, Zombie is an epic mm. cover. It is. Shame the lead sim- singer is a pimple dick. Oh, he is. He's not a particularly nice person. Sharon will have to give us the details about that either in the chat or another time. Maybe next week when she comes on for uh, Mags v. Sai. Or if you want to type away, my love, crack on. Yeah, crack on. Um, King's Pigs Banner says, uh, Fear of the Dark was just okay. Yeah. Um, so many better albums. So, yeah, that's the mm-hmm. chat all caught up. Awesome stuff. Thank you so, so much to everybody who messaged in for our non-wrestling that was a topic. great non-wrestling topic. If yeah. only we could recapture that. For next week, perhaps. Mm, yeah, I wonder if there's a way of us doing something along a similar line and, and all that. Mm. We will see next week. We will <laughs> see. <laughs> Thank you so much to everybody who messaged into the show as uh, contributed to the chat and so on for this week's non-wrestling topic. It is always hugely, hugely appreciated because you're all bloody wonderful people. Very but true. I suppose we better get on and talk a bit of non-wrestling in our wrestling section. I mean, there's a little bit of wrestling in it, so it kind of counts. I guess. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Okay. So, the winner of the poll was the option to look at the 22nd of February, 2005, Monday Night Raw, or was it the 21st? It's the 21st of February episode. 21st, right. 21st of February, 2005, Monday Night Raw, where big, juicy-nipped Dave Batista finally makes his decision as to which champion he will be facing mm-hmm. after winning the 2005 Raw Rumble, which we looked at. Was that last week we looked at that or the week before? It was. Last no, week, I think right? it was last week, yeah. Yeah, okay. So it's the famous contract signing with Eric Bischoff, who's the general manager of Raw, and Teddy Long, who's the general manager of SmackDown, and all the drama that went into it. Mm-hmm. Magsy, this episode of Raw, have you gone back and looked at any moment from this, the contract signing, I suppose, being the most obvious, since it aired, other than today? Um, I think I don't think I've particularly gone out and, and searched for it, but um, parts of it, 
come up pretty regularly in, in, in kind of like WWE lore and, and documentaries. The, uh, it, it's usually the, the contract signing bit and then the bit where Dave Batista's kind of like hiding around the corner and, mm. and earwigging. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and I, I can't say I remember going back and watching this full episode um, like uh, all in, in, in one go, just those little segments. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, I watched pretty much the whole show. I wasn't paying complete attention to certain aspects of it because... I, I tried to watch all the show, and then there was a, a Tyson-Tom Cole match versus mm. Kane, and I checked out. Do you know what made that even worse? It was For some reason, they had the, the, the some some idiot had the idea to not only have a Tyson-Tom Cole match, but also give him a microphone to cut a promo mm. on the way to the ring. Yeah. It was ropey wasn't it yes i mean it, it was ropey mm. uh the intro to this episode of raw is it union underground that music i think that's the band Move to the music yeah. that's yeah. one of my favorites i think what a brilliant intro to raw that I, is i think it's probably my second favorite raw intro what's the, the first thorn in my eye that's the best one which one's that too much blood and not enough sky one and one the thorn in your eye. I don't. Uh, I'm assuming it doesn't sound anything like that because that doesn't ring a bell. What? How do you not know that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one. Yeah, the original. Okay. Yeah. Attitude era. Yeah. Yeah. When they're walking through the warehouse and explosions are going off. Yeah. 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 Guys, don't look at explosions. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. It's a great intro, as we said. We have Jim Ross. My life in the box. Enjoy the beat. That's it. I know it. Yeah, I know it from that. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, from the Penn State University. Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler are on commentary for us. Uh, I'll run briefly through what happens on the show before we get to the segments that we're going to uh, cover. We open with a triple threat match for the ladies championship. Trish Stratus takes on uh, Molly Holly and Victoria. It's an all right match, I guess. Trish is a heel here, which I think... And she's got a big old black eye. Yeah, and a red bit actually on her eye as well. Mm-hmm. Looks that was a head. legit... Apparently, that was a legit black eye that she got in a house show. Oh, okay. Oh, fair enough. And this is during the time as well when we had uh, uh, Maria Canellis with a microphone backstage doing interviews, yeah. and Christy Hemi was just about to pose for Playboy. So, of course, naturally, she had to be inserted into the title picture because, mm-hmm. you know... Vince. Um <laughs> we then see Rick Flair and Triple H for the first time. And Flair and Triple H are saying they don't know where Batista is yet. Why hasn't he arrived at the arena? And there's a lot of panic going on because they don't know which way he's going to go. Mm-hmm. But in previous episodes, they've done their best to try and you know divert his attention to, to JBL and the WWE title, Maxi, haven't they? They have, uh, because obviously he won the Royal Rumble, and the last thing Triple H wants is to have to face Big Dave at WrestleMania for his for his uh, his World Heavyweight title. So he's tried over the, the previous weeks to manipulate uh, big old Batista into picking SmackDown uh, mm. and JBL as, as his opponent, um, and he's, he's used pretty underhanded tactics to do that. Uh, and I think the the just before this show, I think it was uh was it No Way Out, the pay-per-view? Yes, the uh, night before, yes. And Batista destroys JBL. Uh and there's a little bit of um 
of um, uh, a face to face with Batista and Cena just to to ramp up the Willy wanted factor of him going over to to SmackDown and mm-hmm. Batista gets a massive pop at that event. Absolutely, yes, and I mean. <laughs> Also, on recent weeks on Raw, we've had a white limo with the the horns on the front that is, you know, very strongly linked with JBL trying to run Batista down. Yeah. Uh, we've we've had on the big screen segments from SmackDown airing where JBL has been running his mouth about Batista as well, and nobody really knows why they're popping up on the screen until a bit later on when we get a little bit of a reveal. But uh, before we move on, I'd. I do like this Triple H beard, though. This is an awesome beard. It's the Harley Race, Lemmy from Motorhead kind of style. All in one. One line, all 90-degree angles. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a quality beard. There is a picture of me somewhere, <laughs> one, one of the times in previous years where I had this big beard and I shaved. And I always sort of just, you know, if I shave it off properly, I will shave shapes into it to see what it looks like. And I did that. And I looked fucking ridiculous. <laughs> if, I, if I can fi- find the picture, I will share it on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, we then get the Pulp Fiction skit with Eddie Guerrero and Booker T because this is WrestleMania Goes Hollywood. So we're getting those famous, brilliantly done uh, trailers where, where they take mm-hmm. off famous Hollywood films. Really, really well done couple of backstage moments. The ladies have a fight. Uh, Trish uh, is scrapping with um, uh, Christy Hemi and so on. And then we get Randy Orton and Shawn Michaels having a conversation backstage because they're in a tag match later on against Edge and Christian. That's right. Edge and Christian in 2005. It's not 1999. It's 2005. They've separated and come back. Um, Something that really stood out to me with this and then with the next match, because we have Chris Jericho taking on Simon Dean. Jericho wears a sort of personalized, I think it's a hockey jersey with the Jericho stuff on it. Yeah, I think it's Shawn Mike- got Rangers one as well. Right. Shawn Michaels has a black WWE t-shirt with HBK and a cross on it and so on. And Randy Orton has a black t-shirt with a plain white shape of him striking that, that pose he does in the corner. And I just thought to myself, man, merchandise in the mid-2000s was fucking terrible, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, there were some good ones. But a lot of it was awful. And a lot of the new WWE merchandise has gone back to being awful. Mm. But yeah, it was horrible, weren't it? It There was just no thought put into it. No. I had a HBK t-shirt around this time. But it was one of the older ones, not long after he returned in 2002. Okay. And it, it had HBK on the front, just black t-shirt, HBK on the front in white. And that looked cool as fuck. On the back, though, they had the quote from a promo he did saying, don't hunt what you can't kill. And it just ruined the shirt. But it, <laughs> but it was a pass fair. So, so yeah. what was your favorite ever shirt, WWE shirt that you owned? I mean, I know we're going I, off topic, but... That I owned? I, I've not had many WWF shirts, to be fair. Um... <laughs> Uh, to be fair that hbk one's probably one of the very few that i did own until until more recently now i buy wrestling merch but it tends to be more uh you know sort of independent people creating so i've got a couple of arn anderson shirts and stuff like that i suppose now who owns the trademark the nwo shirt would have to be it yeah i mean i've got the nwo wolfpack shirt i love that shirt um i think my favorite was probably um the Stone Cold University shirt. 
Ah, that was, okay. That was good. And um, I also had the um, the American flag, just bring it, uh, rock shirt. That was right, a good yeah. one. Yeah. I think Sharon had that, or, or one very similar. And I, I have, I've had the, the Austin with uh, rattlesnake arms, that one. Yeah. Uh, I've had other side jackass. That was a good shirt. Right. Yeah. I liked, I always liked the um, fuck fear, drink beer. Stone cold <laughs> yes. one. That that was cool. I liked that. I never owned it, but I liked that as well. I always liked the DX. Was that a hockey jersey or American football jersey? I think that was hockey as well. Oh, no, it was American football. Yeah. Yeah. I always liked that as well. That was good. Yeah. There we go. Um, the next match, like I said, Simon Dean against Jericho. It's not great. Uh, then we go to where Magsy switched off because we have Kane versus Tyson Tonko. That's yeah. not great. No. A limo arrives. Though, I Maxie. mean, you, you have missed a little bit. If we if we are telling the story of Batista and Triple H, uh, we've got to mention the the backstage segments with the two general managers. So essentially, oh, uh, yes. every, everybody knows that Batista's making his decision today. So Teddy Long, the general manager of SmackDown, is on Raw um, to try and convince uh, Dave at the last minute to. Uh, that SmackDown is the place for him to go. So we see, we get a couple of segments where Teddy and Eric Bischoff are uh, having these bag, uh, backstage conversations and trying to like one up uh, each other. And I think in the first one, they, they mentioned about uh, Batista being at No Way Out and how he beat up JBL and all the cabinet uh, and um, how he had that stare down with, uh, with, um, with Cena uh, and... Um, Bischoff is telling Teddy Long that he, he may be kind of jumping the gun, nothing is, is, is signed, and, and Teddy's yeah, he, Teddy feels like he's got the upper hand with uh with uh Bischoff. And then I think we see Sean Michaels come in to say that he wants to challenge Kurt Angle to a match because obviously mm-hmm. we had the the start of that that feud at the Rumble, uh yes. where Angle uh was eliminated, then got back in and eliminated Sean Michaels. Yeah, it leads to one of my favourite matches of all time. I love that. That's <laughs> a great love. match. Uh, a limo arrives. Flair <laughs> thinks, is this Batista? He's waiting for Batista to arrive. He's all excited. But no, it's Chris Masters making it's his, his Chris, debut. It's Chris. I know. You just forget these things. A superstar like Chris Masters and he's debuted in, in, in this as, as a, a part of the biggest story in, in wrestling at the time as well. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So what a way to debut and, and then make nothing of your career. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I always thought that he was kind of out of proportion as well, because he's an incredible looking guy. Don't get me wrong. The guy's ripped, but he almost looked like his, his trunks were too small for him. But then when you actually looked properly, you realized that he just had no arse. He'd miss leg day. A lot. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, Mohammed Hassan, if everyone remembers him, he, he arrives cut to cut a promo. Oh, dear me. And then, you know, I, I thought, you know, Mohammed Hassan is potentially the, the person that'll make me cringe and think of bad taste the worst on this episode of Raw. But oh no, here comes Chris Benoit. And <laughs> ben, Benoit ends up getting beaten down by Hassan and Davari. And there's no network thumbnail at all for that segment. And they never mentioned his name. Yeah. Ever. There's no, there's no network. Fam- Normally it's, um, say for example, if Benoit wrestles in an intercontinental title match against William Regal, 
it won't say Benoit versus Regal, will it? It will say William Regal in an IC in title match. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or, or it, here, it might have said Mohammed Hassan cuts a promo or Mohammed Hassan speaks or whatever. But there's literally nothing, no reference to Hassan or Benoit or anything. You literally just skip from one thumbnail right away over it to the next thing. It's almost like the WWE are embarrassed by both mm. the characters involved in this. And rightfully so. Uh, something that was very much of its time, Magsy. We had an advert for Juicy Drop Pop. Do you remember these? No, not not at all. Do you remember the pop? Oh, what were they called? They were like lipsticks. The 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 pop. The push like, pops. Push pops. That's it. And they'd shoot up. And, you know, they were like that, except you could put a little bit of juice on the top that came with it as well to change the flavor. Okay. Yeah, I remember. I remember them now. Yeah, basically a little just, bit. A little bit after my time as a kid, I think. Oh, I still had them. That surprises me very little. <laughs> Do they still make those push pops? I don't think so. They were they were very of the time. Do you remember when they brought out ring pops? Yes, and they were like huge gems, and that was pretty gross because everyone would be dribbling all over their hand. Yeah, horrible. And then yeah. they brought out things like brain liquors, which is was essentially a roll-on deodorant with sour liquid in. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Sweets, yeah, 90s, 2000 sweets are horrific, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they are. And they were just so rammed full of sugar as well. You know, obviously sweets are, but this was like proper poison your kids' time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, up next, we have probably the, the best wrestling contest on the show. Uh, Shawn Michaels and Randy Orton defeat Edge and Christian. I really enjoyed this match, Max, this, this tag match involving Shawn, Randy, and uh, the former brothers best friends cousins it changed every week for a while didn't it i think edge and christian it did also former vampires don't forget that mm, indeed indeed former vampires yeah. they were laid out in the sun now they got over <laughs> they got better um <laughs> uh eric bischoff and teddy long uh are featured again backstage talking about batista arriving in a couple of minutes sat on yeah, quite oh, possibly the star of this episode the coach Oh, who was yeah. also the star of the, the, the Royal Rumble, lest we not forget. No. He, uh, he comes wasn't. in and says, I just need to tell you that Batista's going to be here in like two minutes. How he knew that is anyone's guess because Ric Flair has been ringing Batista's phone off the hook and getting no answer whatsoever. Mm. So why would That's Batista... Because... No, but why would he ignore Flair but then ring the coach of all people? Mm. yeah that's true that's true he probably couldn't get through to flair though because if you watch any of these segments flair's got one of those old-fashioned flip phones and every, <laughs> every time he can't get through to batista he slams that shut so hard it must damage the phone the 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 the, the, ex, the air escaping as he slams that phone together probably escalated across the planet and caused the tsunami somewhere he's smashing that phone to bits so much you know so i imagine batista just couldn't get through mate Perhaps, yeah. Flair Perhaps. just rough with his phone. Rough mm, with his phone. Indeed. <laughs> um, Edge attacks Shawn Michaels backstage, which leads to a street fight next week on Raw. Now, I've not seen that in a long, long time, but I've got really good memories of that match. So maybe that's something I might link to yeah, in the future. That was the kind of like the the blow off for that feud. Knowing yes. that Shawn, Shawn Michaels was going into the, the, uh, the match with Kurt at WrestleMania. Mm. Yeah. And Sean wrestled in jeans. I think that night as well, which set it mm. apart. And, and yeah. yeah. Um, 
Chris Masters makes his in-ring debut against Stevie Richards, and it's it shit, as you can imagine. Um, <laughs> his finisher was a full Nelson. And that side yes. just coughing his ring up. How can you not love somebody who whose finisher was a classic of your era of wrestling, the full mm. Nelson? Yeah, and bring back it the classics, good, yeah. and 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 you were just belittling him for it. But he was a shit wrestler, Chris Masters. Yeah, was, I, I, he was crap. I'm okay with it. Um, <laughs> speaking of crap, uh, Gene Snitsky wrestles Jesus. next. This, this episode is just full of clowns in it oh mid 2000s wwf oh my word so I hated, much crap in that i hated gene snitsky he's just yeah. he's the worst thing about him was his yellow teeth though there. oh see i would i would take those yellow teeth and raise you the back knee <laughs> oh yeah that is grim yeah. that, <laughs> that is very very grim yeah there's Gross. just nothing appealing about mr snitsky no no not at all uh we then get another wrestlemania goes hollywood skit and it's the basic instinct one with stacy keebler mm-hmm. um that christian in this was fantastic he was so funny yeah so go back and check this out if you get a chance it's very funny uh we see rick flair calling batista again but obviously he doesn't get anywhere because he's broken his damn phone um, <laughs> there's ranting in general about batista being late then between triple h and flair talking about how can he be over two hours late it's so disrespectful and so on and this is kind of where we're getting into the conclusion now Maxie, isn't it because we get well, that big reveal and so on yeah this is whenever you've watched uh any kind of like um thriller movie or an episode of scooby-doo this is where um the villain reveals their reveals their cards a little bit too early um Essentially, I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. Uh, so Triple H starts admitting that how hard it was for him to get the footage of SmackDown on on, yeah. on Raw, and how hard it was to orchestrate the limo and get those bloody stupid bull horns on the front. <laughs> and and we then get almost the um, a dumb and dumber uh, moment where Rick, it looks like Ric Flair is gonna. Just absolutely rip into Triple H for his for his backstabbing shenanigans, but then he turns it around and says, "Oh my God, this is amazing! This is you are a genius. These this is the best thing that you've ever done." And you think, "Is it Flair? Is it really?" Mm. Yes, but this is the the moment that we get the reveal, don't we? And the camera spans out from this conversation and triple h is giving away all of what's happened over the last few weeks uh talking about how he's trying to manipulate batista i think he refers to me have a look at my notes here he refers to him as what well, dave isn't smart enough to know what's best and refers mm-hmm. to him as a big idiot yeah and knows. i've got one long lasting memory about this moment not just the reaction from the crowd how cool the reveal was um and how for probably one of the earliest times in my life I enjoyed the TV production side of WWE Mm -hmm. as opposed to the actual wrestling. This was an era when I was at my parents' house quite a bit. I may have moved back home for a while and so on. So I would watch Monday Night Raw on a Thursday night when it used to get reshown. And my dad would come in from work and catch some of it. So he was not familiar. He wasn't a fan in any way, shape or form, trust me. But he knew who Batista was and he'd been built up as this big monster heel. And he knew that Triple H was a sniveling, horrible weasel of a guy. 
And I remember my dad sitting there eating his dinner very late at night because he'd worked long hours. The camera spanning out, seeing Dave Batista there, and my dad just going, "Huh, that other guy's fucked now, isn't he?" <laughs> really, I loved it. It was great. But what uh, one thing that I really enjoyed about this was Batista was. I mean, for someone who was such a, a rookie in the wrestling mm. business, his facial expressions in this episode of Raw are perfectly on point. You see the, and it, it's not like he's, he's overacting or or it, it's is overselling it's just the little movements in his face like the little smiles or the the tiny shakes of the head it it looks more like a proper tv program mm. than a wrestling show it's really well done by batista yeah yeah definitely and um well we're, we're at the contract signing now aren't we and i think that the facial expressions by batista are uh, used to a great length here because he doesn't really say anything. I was really surprised at how little he spoke throughout this whole segment, Magsy. Well, e- even before we even get to the ring, uh, Batista comes out. Well, he's introduced by Eric Bischoff. Um, and Batista comes out. And you can see the 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 looks between him, uh, Triple H and Flair. Uh, mm. You don't obviously get the pyro. So that there's a little bit of awkwardness there where he almost walks into Triple H. But he... Uh, he beckons for Triple H and Ric Flair to, to go up the steps first into the ring. And the camera just lingers on him for a couple of seconds. And you see him just eyeballing Triple H from behind. And again, it's just great production, yeah. great facials from uh, from um, Batista, and really sells the story that he knows something that, that Triple H doesn't know. It's really well done. Yeah, exactly. Um, Eric Bischoff and Teddy Long are in the ring as well, obviously, because they're going to give almost uh, almost like a sales pitch, isn't it? Yeah, one, it's so. one last chance to to pitch the, the brand to, yes. to Batista. Yeah, and I, I liked this as well. I mean, Bischoff, I think, Eric Bischoff to me is one of the most well-rounded television uh characters personalities mm-hmm. performers that we've we've ever had in professional wrestling i mean the guys worked a couple of matches of course i'm not saying you know he, he's up to the standard of a flair or a michaels or anything like that but he has worked a couple of matches you know gimmicky situations he was a play-by-play commentator for uh wcw in the early days of nitro he was then obviously the the general manager here he was the guy who joined the nwo and all this sort of stuff i think bischoff as a as a performer, is one of the most well rounded we've we've probably ever seen, Maxi. And I I think you can see his progression as well, and the way he improved over the years. You look at his stuff from early WCW; he's very very wooden. Uh, mm. I remember seeing him on like uh, WCW Worldwide, and it, you could tell he's reading from an auto cue. Then you look at the stuff uh, from um, his time as uh, president and um, uh, part of the NWO, and he's grown into the character, but there's still that almost he doesn't know when enough is enough. Oh, yeah. And and then you look at this, and it's pretty much 
bang on for a promo perfectly uh these words that he says are perfectly weighted um it flows as a as a pitch um it, there's enough there uh for, to to uh, basically show that Raw is the best brand. I mean, he, he talks about uh, it being the dream of every superstar to be um, to be the champion and to face Triple H. He, he uses Ric Flair's line against him uh, to to be the man you've got to uh, beat. That man, Triple H. It's a really well done sales pitch for for Raw. Yeah, and I think you're right. Uh, he's very underappreciated as a as a stick man. Mm, yes definitely uh that pitch from bischoff that you mentioned i I really liked a couple of moments from it and one he references the the brand stability Mm -hmm. because teddy long's job is under threat at this point in the storyline they've already got rid of um, a couple of different general managers on the smackdown side teddy long's job is under threat so he's trying to sell it as i've been here a while my job is not under threat we know where we're going here and so on which i quite liked Mm-hmm. Uh, Teddy Long sells SmackDown basically by saying about the the excitement and the crowd reaction at No Way Out, and potential John Cena matches going forward, and then lists Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle, Rey Mysterio, and the Undertaker as also future potential opponents for Batista. And yeah. I'm thinking, do you know what? That, that sounds pretty bloody good. I could be tempted. And and he also pictures the fact that this could be the biggest rivalry since Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock, and he says uh, John Cena and Dave Batista, two of the hot, the two hottest young prospects in the in uh, wrestling today. That's a that's another massive sales pitch, mm-hmm. absolutely spot on by uh, by um, um, Teddy Long. But then he's got to throw in the line, and it's the meme that if he if he does, he's got the potential of going one on one. With the Undertaker, and you see a little <laughs> raw smile from Dave. Um, yeah, it's a. It, this would be a hard pick, obviously. We've mm. we we know the storyline, but if without all the Triple H stuff, if you were in Dave Batista's shoes, it, it's win win. Yeah, it's, you, you've got the absolute world at your feet in this. Yeah, um, Batista has the the two contracts, and I thought this was really well. It's for such a simple thing, isn't it? It's such a simple little thing, but they're on clipboards, and they've got the big Raw and SmackDown logos on the back, so it's easy for people in the crowd and the, the television audience to identify what he has there. And then Triple H puts forward his own pitch himself. Ah, and this you're, you're missing wonderful. out. Uh, you're missing out again, and it's Batista's uh, his nuances that that, that okay. I, p- I picked up on. He, he he goes for a pen because obviously they're clipboards. They've got raw yes. on one, SmackDown on the other, but he goes for a pen to sign and he picks the one from, from SmackDown. So it looks like he's going for the SmackDown one. Really nice little touch. Uh, I thought from, from Dave there. Uh, and I'm not a fan of, of uh, contract signings as a, as a wrestling mm, no. trope. I think it, they are so overplayed now. But I'm a fan of this one. This yeah. one is so well done. Yeah, definitely. The the Triple H, I suppose, pitch or last attempt to sway Batista in, in one direction. Uh, he talks about the four horsemen. <laughs> and he says about when Ric Flair was the NWA world champion. Could you imagine if Arn Anderson was WWF champion? They would dominate. He then mm-hmm. talks about D-Generation X. And he says, you know, when... 
Shawn Michaels was WWF champion, he could have been WCW champion and, and they could have controlled the business that way. And he's saying, we've got an opportunity to do that here. And I liked those little touches into the past and the, and the, the stables and, and so on. I, I quite liked that because they're trying to put forward evolution as this group on par with the horsemen. There was a lot mm-hmm. of similarities there with the way they behaved and, and, and all that. So I quite liked that. It's not quite the same level, is it? Raw and SmackDown to the WWF and the NWA, but no. they're trying to build that kind of brand rivalry because they haven't got any competition anymore. TNA is literally just starting out in 04, 05, mm-hmm. something like that. And what I also like about this is how willing Triple H was to throw the legacy of, of Flair and his own legacy uh, under the bus to, mm. to keep uh, Batista uh, going to SmackDown because the the four horsemen are legendary, but he says that they could have been way better if they'd have been a WWE champion. And he says about DX, they had the chance to create history, but they didn't. I mean, they did. They were they were they were part of one of the hottest times in wrestling, um, and he, he shits on that. Just so Batista will go to SmackDown. I mean, that's that's committing to to the to the gimmick. I think. Yeah, I think so. Batista then effectively speaks for pretty much the first time. I think Maxi mm-hmm. after all of and this like it's a relatively long segment as well. It's the main event spot of the show. Yeah, I think it, it I run, think it goes about fifteen minutes. Yes, yes. Yeah. And this whole time it's other people talking at, at Batista, mm-hmm. and Batista responds with Hunter. I've known what I was going to do for a long, long time, and then we start getting the thumbs up from Flair. And Triple H as Batista's teasing the one contract and so on. It, again, Maxi, talk us through these these little tells and these little cells that they do because this is the drama now, isn't it? Yeah. So Batista holds up the two contracts, uh, so the camera can see him. He th- he throws the raw one on the floor, and you, we get a, uh, a, an image of, of Triple H and and Ric Flair celebrating and and backslapping each other. They've got away with. It. They've 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 pulled the rug from under Batista and they're essentially mocking with the thumbs up. It's so over the top mm. that I think this is probably the worst part of this segment for me where they were so over the top with the thumbs up, like both of them sticking both thumbs out as far as they can. And then Batista sticks one thumb up and with a little raw smile, like as if he agrees. And then the smile goes off his face and he's storm faced and the thumb turns upside down. Very, it's such a cool throwback to how Triple H screwed over Randy Orton yes. uh, when Randy Orton won the title. Triple H absolutely poos his pants. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when Simon hears uh, the 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 alarm on his phone, yes. and Batista just clotheslines the shit out of him. Absolutely, just decks him. He punches Flair. Flair then gets thrown out of the ring, uh, and it's essentially, I think uh, Teddy Long and uh, Eric Bischoff make their exit pretty quickly, and it's just uh, Batista suited up, uh, Triple H on the floor. Batista just rips the top off of his suit off, and the guy, it, it looks exactly like Sardos now without massive coward nipples. <laughs> He's just—he's such a specimen, isn't he? He's just—he mm. looks like he's carved out of granite. Um, and then he p- 
picks up Triple H and power bombs him through the the the, the table that it was meant to to sign the contract on, which nobody sat at or even particularly used. And then he says, "Is the second line that he says in the whole of the promo says, Hunter, I'm staying right here on Raw at WrestleMania. I'm taking the World Championship from you." And the crowd go mental. Yeah, really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. Fantastic storytelling. When when they get it right, they really get it right, don't they? The WWE. When it's done well, it's brilliant. And this was done very, very well. <laughs> now, that's where the show goes off the air. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we, we know that these things progress on and we go to WrestleMania and so on. Um, with regards to ratings, normally we give it a, a rating out of 10 for, for what we've seen as a match. There is no match per se, but the segment itself, Magsy, out of 10, Entertainment-wise, what what are you thinking? I mean, this whole storyline has been a pleasure to revisit um, all the, the, these last few weeks, uh, and this is this is the way to do a, a, a contract signing. Mm. The the drama all the way leading up to it, the way that Batista uh, is it keeps his mouth shut until. The, the 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 very moment he needs to say something yeah it's 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 so well done so so well done so this is a nan easy for me yeah I, i've got eight but i agree it is fantastic contract signings are overdone and there's only a couple that really stand out as being good but this one is great mm-hmm. this is this is a story arc told so well and when you get to this point of batista's you know thumbs up thumbs down and, and finally you know the, the the turn i suppose happens they've timed it perfectly in that you that's you, you really want to see that happen when it happens they've not yeah. took too long they've not gone too short it's 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 spot on timing wise and getting the timing yeah. right is so important and yeah for me, i mean a whole episode of raw Three out of ten. It was fucking terrible. But this segment for me, it's an eight. I, I really enjoyed it, Magsy. I agree. Yeah, it's a great segment. I mean, the whole, the whole, even the the little backstage parts really add to it. I yes. Mean, if they just had this segment, and and you would definitely need the one where Batista listens and and hears the 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 Triple H has been screwing him all this time. Um, you obviously need that. And you could have easily had just that backstage segment and this, and it would still be good. But the little touches all the way through the show, really kind of like ramping up the tension. Yeah, I think it's such a well-done story. Yeah, really well done. Um, I suppose then, Maxi, we better have a little look at what we're going to put forward on the poll to potentially check out next week. Where would you like to go if the votes come in? I mean... We should finish this story. I mean, there's not that mm, there's not that many more twists and turns we can take till we get to uh, WrestleMania, and we we can't watch all of this story and not get the 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 ending. That'd be like watching five episodes out of a six uh, episode series. Yeah. But I'm not going to put forward the WrestleMania match because I feel that you are going to put forward the WrestleMania match. And I feel you should I'm because not. you... <laughs> that was not... I, I'm sorry to spill the beans, but that was not my plan because I thought you were going to put it forward. 
Well, I am going to put it forward then because oh, well. we have to feed see the story. <laughs> but I did, I do, so it will definitely be the WrestleMania match between uh, Triple H and Batista. But I did have a, a secondary match. Um, Okay. Under my hat, because I assumed, I think just great minds think alike, I assumed you would pick the WrestleMania match. Um, so something struck me uh, about um, this this segment, and it was that Teddy Long used his, his, his meme of going one-on-one with The Undertaker, that potential. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, yeah, that, why don't we visit when Batista goes one-on-one with the Undertaker. Now he didn't actually go one on one with the Undertaker for for two years after this. Okay, and it was at WrestleMania twenty three where he faced Undertaker. He was actually the champion, and he faced Undertaker uh, at WrestleMania. Obviously, we know that he loses, and Undertaker wins the title. But yeah, I wanted to go to WrestleMania twenty three um, for Undertaker versus Batista. But scrap that now. That's out the out the window. It's WrestleMania 21, Batista versus Triple H. There we go. But the the Undertaker at 23 is that that's when he won the Rumble, isn't it? He came in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, him and Sean are the last two. Have like a mini match at the end, isn't it? Ah, okay, yeah. That was a good Rumble. That was very good. But yes, okay, it makes perfect sense to conclude this storyline, seeing as we've done so well tracking it so far. But I assumed you were going to put this forward. So I went a different direction and I have been uh, quite surprised really. Cause it's a, it's a Shawn Michaels contest. I'm going to. Oh, because, I, I'm surprised as well. You picked because, Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Shock. because No, I, I'm surprised because it's a Shawn Michaels match that I, I think I, until the other day when it popped up on the screen, I I'm not sure if I've seen it before and it's, and it's quite a biggie as well because it's, the link is obviously Shawn Michaels it being in a tag team because he's in a tag team match of this on this pay-per-view. Um, I, I normally put either Doctor Who or wrestling on in bed and I doze off and then sometimes I can wake up hours later and it's carried on playing and goes through this, you know, so on. Um, when I woke up in the middle of the night uh, a couple of nights ago, Shawn Michaels was wrestling Stone Cold Steve Austin. But it wasn't that one. It wasn't WrestleMania 14. Mm. And I was like, okay, they look a bit this this is a bit weird. This is a bit different. And Austin didn't have the knee braces on, noise or so. So I ended up watching it a bit more of it, and it was very very good. And it was from the King of the Ring pay per view in 1997. Austin and Michaels were actually tag team champions at the time, and they're wrestling against each other. And I just thought, well, I saw of it. It was quite good. So I think it'd be quite interesting to have a little look at a little bit of that storyline there and have a look at that particular match. So yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And this is pre-knee braces, pre-neck break, um, pre-injuries for Austin. And obviously, you know, Sean throughout 96 and going into 97 was probably the best wrestler in the world in ring. His attitude stank, but he was that good. So yeah, I'd like to have a look at a much younger Steve Austin taking on a uh, well, his tag team partner, Shawn Michaels, at King of the Ring, 1997. Yeah, I think I mentioned this uh, match uh, in passing a few episodes uh, back uh, when, oh, okay. we talk- when we were talking about um, how Shawn Michaels uh, relinquished more titles than he actually lost. Yep. And that was, that was uh, in fact, it was a part of Mags v. v. Sarr. Right, okay, we so going about, back a fair few weeks then. Yeah, uh, his tag team partners and how many titles he'd actually 
Yeah. Lost, if you remember. Yeah. Yeah. The night after that pay per view is when Sean and Brett have their backstage fight, and Sean mm-hmm. gets his hair ragged out of his head and goes home in a sulk and so on. Yeah. And so and that tell, kind of puts pay. Tells his daddy Vince. Yeah. There you go. I can't. I can't work in these circumstances, Dad. It's an I mean, unsafe Vince. work environment. I think was <laughs> yeah. the line he threw at him. Yeah. yeah exactly. Fuck you know. <laughs> but those are your options for next week's show. This week's poll. We have the conclusion of this storyline that we have covered so far, and I think it would be would be right to take a look at the match and just finish this off and put a nice little bow on it. WrestleMania 21, Triple H versus Batista, or King of the Ring 1997, Shawn Michaels versus Steve Austin. There we go. Maxi, let's have a little scan through the chat before we get off, shall we? Uh, we shall. So we'll start with Sharon saying that she still has her T-shirt, her wrestling T-shirt. Ah, okay. Um, and Scotty Stanley saying the build for this was incredible and that limos and wrestling go hand in hand thanks to the NWO. Well, the NWO was, was also was it was white hummers as well, weren't it? Mm. There's a the site we do on Nitro Nights where Danny has decided to take it upon himself to have well basically it's Scottish Danny's limo count. And every time a limo arrives on Nitro, Danny counts it. So I think we're up to about eleven or twelve already. So yeah, I, I remember. Uh, um, I think it was the the NWO uh, documentary that WWE did, and Big Show mentions that when the the NWO started, and it was cool. Uh, you'd have one limo turning up. Says, and then by the time it got bloated, you was looking at like, six or seven limos all yeah. rocking up, and and people like. Stevie Ray was getting out of a limo. Hmm. And and VK Wall Street was part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Benny Mac, hello, sir. Yeah, uh, thanks for, for for showing up late, but there we go. Um, he reminiscing about Push Pops, uh, yeah. singing the song, Don't Push Me, Push a Push Pop. And then he also chastises for mocking Edge and Christian. Uh, and The Undertaker come back, yeah, died and came back more than dirty then. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> For someone who's one of his uh, signature matches was a buried alive match, he, he got buried alive quite a lot. Yeah, he lost that quite often, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He did. Um, Benny Mack says the only good thing from WWE from about 2003 to 2005 was Evolution. Uh, yeah, it was Evolution was good, but just imagine how good it would have been with the reflection of perfection Fuck's in sake. that role. Can you imagine this storyline? This very storyline... And it's Mark Jindrak picking Raw over SmackDown. Just how good would that have been? I'll tell you how good that would have been. Not Shit. At all. <laughs> <laughs> and and then the final one, um, Kings Pigs Bladders, um, just just surveying his own work and saying he's just shocked at just how well the 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 body fits. I mean, yours is pretty accurate. If you just scoot it over a little bit. If I move across a little bit, let me move that a bit like that. There we go. That's that's as far as I I can't get any further because there's a wall in the way. It's amazing. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. It's stellar work. Absolutely stellar work. Absolutely fantastic. Again, thank you so, so much to everybody in the chat, on Twitter, online, uh, who listens to the podcast, joins us live on a Monday night. Thank you so much to King Pigs Bladders for the fantastic artwork that is behind us right now. It's brilliant stuff. Even the scary, crazy nips of Dave Batista. Uh, Thank you so much to everybody who has joined in with us, our non-wrestling topic, the voting in the poll, and so on. Magsy. 
Whereabouts can people find you online, my friend? Well, I'm I'm on that Twitter thing. Um, I don't post or check anything on there unless I've I'm reminded to, but you can follow me on there at Podfather Mags. I've actually changed my TikTok handle now because I'm all about the chicken laugh. So I think I'm there. I'm actually Pod Farmer Mags. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find me. Or if you don't want to follow me on social media, I'll be back here next Monday with this with this gorgeous hunk. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Anything I'm involved in, you can find via the network that carries this show. That's at SJP World Media on Facebook and Twitter. There's a page on Facebook. There's a group and so on. Join up there uh, and follow us on Twitter as well. And it's available on all your podcast players, platforms and providers. The network carries shows looking at wrestling, looking at TV, sci-fi, time travel programs, uh, all sorts of stuff. There's so much there. It takes too long to list. There's a pretty much a new show out every day of the week and more coming as well. But I'm not going to spill the beans on that just yet. And no, it doesn't involve me. Don't panic. Everyone hears enough of my voice, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's at SJP World Media for all of that great stuff. And also, most importantly, you can follow this show itself on Facebook and Twitter at chain underscore wrestling. That's at chain underscore wrestling. And our Twitter account is where you will find the uh the, the poll on wrestling topic and all of that great stuff magsy i'm off now to dig out my tape measure and measure my nipples to make sure they're not above the uk average size because this is freaking me out i'll speak to you next week my friend word laugh God save the queen.